Welcome to episode three of our four-part youth engagement series. Greta Connell here with you as I take my first step into the co-host chair. Today, Michael and I speak to Jen Camilleri, the General Manager of Affiliate Services at Netball Victoria. Jen shares her learnings and experience in developing a youth advisory committee and how this has created positive impact both internally at Netball Victoria and then out into the community. A great conversation for other state sporting associations, clubs or community groups looking to engage young people to make change. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. If you haven't already tuned into episode one and two of this series, they're awesome. So be sure to check them out. They're full of great insights from industry professionals. Hi everyone and welcome to Alan Connect. We're so very lucky and so, so very thrilled uh, to have a guest from Netball Victoria involved in our youth advisory series. This is episode three, such great listening and such great lessons for those out there and to ensure that we can really leverage the voice of young people when it comes to sport and, and participation. Today, we are in for a real treat. Not only are we uh, working on our youth focus series, but also we have a new co-host. Greta, welcome to the chair. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good, a little nervous, to be quite honest, but um, it's always nice to have a chat with both of you, so very excited. So we heard something uh, off air, Greta. Uh, not only did you just come back from a trip to uh, to Sydney and you had some uh, airline issues, probably like everyone out there, all our listeners out there, at least your flight went ahead, uh, which was great, even though it was delayed. But Greta, you've really kept the the uh, consistency with the host chair. Uh, tell us about uh, what you've got, what your, your footwear is today that was similar to Nat Nolan's. Got to be Ugg boots, Michael. It's August and, yeah, don't like my feet getting cold. So it's sure, Uggies at home. I'm sure Nat and our listeners will be pretty happy with that. Yeah. Hey, Greta, welcome to the host chair. And uh, we know our listeners out there. You've got a fair fan base out there. So we know a few people out there will be uh, listening on and, and really enjoying the conversation throughout today. We are absolutely thrilled uh, as a part of our series uh, with our next guest. Uh, we've got Jen Camilleri, General Manager, Affiliate Services at Netball Victoria. Jen, thank you so much for making time to join us today and welcome. Oh, thanks, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. My favourite topic to talk about. So you might have to shut me up and cut me off because I could talk about this all day. Uh, Jen, Ugg boots today or a few meetings today that you've got to get out and about for? Uh, I'm looking professional on the top half and <laughs> Jamie's on the bottom half. Unreal, unreal. Well, it's become a bit of a theme and Greta, we have to uh, keep this through with the uh, the fourth episode as well. But Jen, thanks so much. Uh, we know that you're um, a little bit unwell. You've just been on, on a bit of a holiday. Tell us about that. Yes, it was my sister's 50th birthday and there was four of us girls who left the husbands at home and took off to an island um, off Phuket called Koh Yeo Noi. Uh, five-star treatment and we had a very good time so yeah it was it was very nice very relaxing uh any any sort of favorite moments from your, your time oh what's what happens on the island stays on the island i think michael <laughs> that was that was the <laughs> that, that was the rule when we arrived <laughs> no uh no flight no flight issues for you along the trip no. No, actually, on the way over, uh, we actually, all four of us, had a whole row to ourselves. There was The plane was basically empty, so quite a good flight over. Coming back, not so so good. Uh, and how's the how's the travel for someone, I don't know, Greta, have you travelled internationally recently from memory? Uh, 
No, not since um, not since COVID hit us. So, Jen, how was the experience going, you know, not just within Victoria or interstate? How was the experience getting back over to some other some other areas of the um, of the world? Uh, this is not my first time since COVID. I'm a, yeah, I work to travel. Uh, so as soon as they opened up, I said I'll be on the first flight out, and that first flight was to Fiji. So we're in a in a bubble, but it, it still worked okay. Um, and off to Turkey, Israel, and Greece in a couple of months. So I'm trying to make up for lost time. Well, wow, you certainly are living life on the edge, Jen. So we're uh, we're actually lucky that we've got you here. You could be anywhere in the world right now doing this, uh, <laughs> this podcast episode in the Bahamas or something. Um, so we'll get we'll we'll get back uh, straight into it, uh, Jen. But firstly, yeah, big thanks for you to, for making the time. But like you said, it's an important topic, and it's it's absolutely going to be uh, the way of the world moving forward when we're working with young people to to uh, decide or have that co-design element in regards to how we participate and stay active moving forward. Um, first sort of piece from from my end uh, is around uh, the fact that you've been a, a driving force um, from the development side of NETI Victoria's Youth Advisory uh, Committee to give voice to the future leaders of Nepal. Um, tell us about the, the journey of probably, probably from where it started to where it is now. Yeah, so Michael, this really um, was born out of the Victorian child safety um, standards. Uh, they've changed since, but prior there were seven standards and the seventh one was empowerment and empowering our young um, members to have a voice. And it was something that all the sports were struggling with. Um, how do we do that? So for me, it was like let's get let's let's encourage our our associations and leagues to have their own junior committees or youth advisory committees, but uh, it's important to lead from the top. So you can't be expecting um, you know, affiliates to be doing one thing while we're doing something a little bit different you know, internally. So that's where the whole idea was born. It was essentially leading from the top and uh, bringing bringing that youth voice um, so that our affiliates can see the benefits particularly in a time now where uh, volunteerism is low and um, we've got a passionate group of people out there in the netball world who are really keen to be involved. So, uh, yeah, so that's where it started. Wait, and you've now you've now kicked off the actual kind of meetings for the Youth Advisory Committee. So can you sort of tell us a little bit about what the, the YAC, the Youth Advisory Committee, looks like now? Yeah, so we went in with no preconceived ideas. We wanted them to be in control of what this looked like. So what we what we did know is we wanted a diverse group. Uh, we wanted the ranges to be between 15 and 24, 25. Um, and we had in our mind perhaps 10, uh, but the that everything went out the window. <laughs> so when we started interviewing everybody, uh, we just saw there were so many passionate people out there who were just so keen to get involved. So we actually have 18. Um, you know, there were some that we that didn't um, come on the committee who had a little way to go. But, um, we, yeah, we certainly have got more, and they range from 15 to 22. That was kind of the age group where we landed. And um, we've got a very diverse group uh, you know, ac across the, the group, different voices uh, being brought to the table. Yeah, it's really, really nice that you do have a diverse group because I see you've sort of nutted out a few different um, focus areas, which we can go into a little bit later. But I guess, um, you know, this, the Youth Advisory Committee have done quite a lot of um, really great work together as a team, um, which then can funnel more broadly into Netball Victoria. Um, you know, as you said, the Netball Victoria board are so supportive from the concept to now operationally. What 
yeah, like how has the Youth Advisory Committee committee so far really impacted any changes within Netball Victoria and what are some of those changes? Yeah, um, so there's been quite a few already. We've only been sort of up, up and running for um, eight months now and the impact they've had already has been huge. Uh, we had a, a subgroup uh, come in and create some posters, child safety posters that spoke to our younger members. Uh, we thought they they were certainly the group who could, who could do that. So they've created some collateral for our um, for our child safety website. Uh, they've been interviewed for things like um, Transgender Visibility Day. Uh, so I think I think the group what they do is they bring a sense of normal of what's going on in the community and society at the moment. They bring a sense of it's normal. Um, as opposed to my generation, who still, you know, some are on the journey, some are a little bit behind. Uh, they just they just make it seem so simple in their world. It's like, what is the problem? So it's been very nice um, for them to have that voice out there and hopefully bringing more people on the journey um, in the LGBTQI plus space. Um, we've just written a transgender policy. Um, and, um, yeah, there's a lot going on around coaching, sorry, umpires at the moment. We've had a, a lot of, and I think a lot of sports are in the same boat, have had problems getting umpires to come back. So we've had to do some work in this space and uh, we've tapped into the advisory committee and what can they do um, to speak to the younger community and getting them involved? So they've been involved in a campaign around, they, they, they realised one of the barriers was that um, that the crowd um, is intimidating, they don't think they know enough, and, and it's fear. So they've done a lot of work in terms of how do we alleviate that, how do we talk to the younger people and and, and talk to them about the support they can get. Um, and at the same time, let um, you know the families and, and everybody else out there in the netball community know what effect that's having on our young people and how it's counter counteractive to what we're trying to achieve here um, and really help our affiliates um, have the right workforce in place. Hey, Jen, tell us a little bit about what NettyVic uh, do. Or how, do you, how do you combat to ensure you get real good coverage of, of voices of all young people um, from minority groups? You're talking about LGBTI plus communities called, called communities. How do, how do you ensure that it is young people are representative of the whole population when we talk, talk to netball? Because netball is a sport you can only look at the national level and the, the state-based level. It, it's made up of lots of different nationalities, lots of different cultures, lots of different people. How do you ensure that that translates right down at grassroots? Yeah, so with the Youth Advisory Committee, what, what happened in the beginning was that they had a, um, it was a bit like a strategic planning session um, with the outside um, company who really got them to understand is what is their vision, what do they value, and what is it they're going to, to achieve? So out of that process, there was a group that identified that they're really passionate in this space. So those subcommittees have broken off and they work together and catch up offline to talk about what, what is it we've identified, what is it we think we can do, and then they come back to Netball Victoria, kind of that conduit, or I'm that conduit, to, to send them to the right team within the organisation so that they get the support and, and, and that they all work together to, for, for some positive outcomes in that space. I'm really fascinated. I don't know if you heard, uh, listened to our last episode with Bo um, from CMY, Jen, but what have you picked up about young people that fascinates you? Like you were saying, it's a really interesting space. You're really passionate about this area. 
clearly there's an energy or there's a, there's a particular part of work with young people in a um, advisory committee that really gets gets you know gets you up and going on a, on a you know first thing on a Monday morning and last thing on a Friday afternoon. What what are those elements? Um, I love I love their passion and I love that um, there are no barriers. You know they they want something to happen. They're gonna make it. Happen. You know they don't and they haven't um, been exposed to the world of netball. You know in in the organisation where you've got to be considered budgets. You know um, we're not resourced well. They're naive to all that. You know that's what I deal with every day. It's like how are we going to do this? How are we going to make this happen? And trying to come up with solutions. They've got the solutions and they're just driven to make them happen. So it's just really nice and refreshing to see. Um, just just their passion and their drive and and the maturity the maturity of these people is amazing like I um I've been blown away by, by the level of thinking of some of this team unreal yeah it's um it certainly is really cool when you get a good group of driven people together and then see those changes that can impact internally um, at Netball Vic and then off into grassroots clubland and community levels so I guess for these young people who are um, these sort of change makers um, becoming involved in a youth advisory committee or or maybe in a different setting a youth advisory group um, it could be such a good opportunity for them personally to develop you know um, confidence skills that they can then use transferably in like whether it's a school setting or university um, or just in their day-to-day life how do you think this connection with young people and then those within your youth advisory committee how do you think maybe that might take them beyond netball just in terms of their personal development? Yeah, good question. Um, already in this short time, uh, we have one member of the group who has used it as a pathway um, into Netball Victoria uh, in a paid role. So she's very passionate about Netball and that's where she wants to work. So she's used it as a vehicle um, to get her foot in the door at Netball Victoria. So it's been really exciting watching her already coming from the group, coming from the group and, and having that um those expectations and not understanding what the barriers are to coming into the office and going, oh, okay, you know, it was just, uh, it's but she's she's grasped it and she's not stopping. She's she's like, okay, well now what can we do? Well, let's okay, I've got that. Now we'll do something different. So, um, it's been amazing to watch her um, transition into the organisation, and we also were contacted by um, Vic Sport. And uh, they were looking for a little bit more um, diversity in terms of support people on their committee. So we um, did a shout out to our group and there was one um, person in particular who really wanted to, she really wants to step up her leadership skills and really wants to be not just passionate about netball, but sport on the whole and what that means um, in the future for their generation. So she's now on the Vic Sport uh, Youth Advisory Committee. So we've had those two things. And then we've got... We've got um, another person who's very much um, interested in the board, what how the board operates, and so we've we've got him in front of the board to explain um, his desire and passion to to be involved at board level. Now he understands that's going, you know, it's going to take time. You know, we have to got to get everybody around this concept. It's only been you know in our organisation for eight months. But as a result of that meeting, um, the board is now sending someone um, to, to our, our meetings um, just to, to get them to understand what's going on at board level and, and be that conduit between board and the youth advisory committee. So that was a really good outcome. Well, already so much, so much learning and individual development in just eight months. So um, that's just so amazing and kind of leads really nicely into something else that we wanted to ask you, Jen. 
you know, I guess youth engagement has become really, um, it's always been, you know, it's been something that we like to do, but I guess in the last few years, it's become really prevalent in our work and particularly in the sport industry. I guess for you, what what would you envisage youth engagement to look like in five years and, and in an ideal world, what does that look like at Netball Victoria? Um, I think just what I touched on there, I would love a representative to be active on our board you know, in the next you know, five years and to have that real voice you know, right from the top. So that that's a vision that you know we're going to work towards. Um, the other thing that um, I would like to see is that every association and every league and every club in the netball community has their own um, junior committee and is listening to the voices of their netball community like that. That's utopia to me, that everybody embraces this idea um, and includes that in, in their operations. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's nice. I like a good point just that you, you have raised and that probably for the listeners out there, you know, whether it's netball clubs or other sports or community organisations, but about like really identifying some of these young people who might want this leadership opportunity um, and even like tapping them on the shoulder and saying like, you know, there's actually, you know, this might be just your your social sport or, you know, your Saturday netball, but we've got heaps of these really great opportunities that can help you personally develop. Oh, so absolutely. Just, absolutely. Know, um, it's it's a wonderful opportunity for these young people to put on their resume um, yeah. the involvement that they've had and, you know, what workplace wouldn't want, you know, someone who's really put themselves out there um, as a young person to, to be a leader, you know, in, in a big sport like netball. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, hats off to them because it was interesting when they first walked in the door, the very first meeting we had, uh, was actually with Mad for Leaders, Greta, who you, who you, mm. you, know, you and I have been involved with. Yeah. Uh, it was it was about the group coming together and being united really quick because they had a twelve month term, so we wanted them to be connected really quickly and and get on with it. And they walked in, no one was talking, it was really quiet and it was really awkward. By the end of that day, I couldn't shut them up. You know, they <laughs> were, <laughs> yeah. So it's not easy. Like we saw how they walked in. They were, you know, they, no one knew each other. It was seven to eighteen people who didn't know each other, but by the end, were really well connected. And that's um, that's testament to Man for Leaders too and what they did. Hey Jen, just <clears throat> a bit off the cuff, talking about uh, board positions. Um, historically in sport, uh, board positions are made up of people that are, you know ex-players that have come through sport and found their position later on in life or they've come through sporting sectors or they've gone through business ventures and all the rest of it and they've got a really important skill set so a hard skill set around you know financial management or or business development or um hr whatever those spaces and then there's still a role for that but do you think we're going to move down a pathway in years to come where young people will feel very comfortable applying or sitting on boards without feeling like they have to have 35 years of experience behind them to be able to do that and that's a huge change for the sector but do you feel like we're, we're going to slowly move that way yes definitely and it's certainly our vision like i mentioned before i think what boards need to understand and in starting to see our these emerging youth advisory committees and what they're doing to understand that they bring a totally different view to the table. Um, it, it's young, it's fresh. Um, you know, typically we've got you know past players who you know, or, or um, administrators who, you know, it's being done certain ways. Um, and but these young people are going to bring innovation and are really going to be the voice of the future. 
you know, of keeping netball the number one um, female sport for, for participation. I really wanted to highlight, Jen, something that Netball Victoria um, and yourself leading the Youth Advisory Committee have done really well. Um, it's just on, on your website, you've got all the profiles of the Youth Advisory Committee members listed, um, a bit about them, a photo, their focus areas, particularly out of that strategic planning session you did within the Youth Advisory Committee. Um, and I just, I really just wanted to highlight how I feel like that is so important for for the community, but also for other young people who are looking to, you know, maybe join a youth advisory committee and actually see, hey, you know, that person looks a little bit like I can relate to to them. Um, hey, maybe this is something I can actually do. Um, so I just wanted to congratulate you guys on that. It's really, um, yeah, it's just a really good initiative. Um, I really like that. So I don't know if you have any comments around it or whose idea yeah. it was. Was it a young person's idea or I don't know? <clears throat> I certainly have the view that you can't be what you can't see. So that was the idea around that was um, was letting the young, the future young people out there see um, that, that this is possible. Um, so we're always trying to think of ways to be visible out in the in the netball community. So the, like I said, that more people are um, incorporating this idea in, into their um, their communities. Michael. Back hearing from you, um, it's been a bit quiet in Kinga's Corner for a little while. We haven't had one on this youth engagement series. Um, we, we know that you're itching for an article and love a bit of research. Um, and I know that myself personally and, and the listeners probably love to hear what you have to say, your opinion and views. So let's throw it to you, Kinga's Corner. Thanks, Greta. And you're you're very kind. Tim usually uh, gives me a hard time around Kinger's Corner, even though he put he puts me on the spot a bit with it. But uh, I had to go to the board, uh, Jen, to get this one ticked off uh, to bring it back. So hopefully the viewers will enjoy just to get a few more downloads going. But um, it's a really nice chance for us to look at an article uh, within the space, um, highlight the article, pull it apart a little bit, and, and open it up for for view. And the great thing for this is uh, our listeners might have different views or opinions to the three of us and that's that's the beauty of it uh everyone everyone can pull things apart and, and have their own opinion uh and that's what's that's what's great about community sport and grassroots and what we're what we're trying to talk about here so this article um from netball scoop so it's it's called motivators and barriers for participation of teenagers in sport really big uh netball focus um written by sophie radcliffe uh in on may 3rd uh last year so 2021 I'll just really quickly read the, the overview uh, and then I really just want to throw it to both of you being um, in the space, but also, you know, being a, a, a young female back in the day when you're playing sport and, and the, probably the factors that influence your sport and what you're seeing, particularly through your advisory committee as well. Um, so the article really talks about uh, it is widely known that participating in sport comes with lots of benefits. It can improve your mental well-being, such as assisting in reducing stress and anxiety, increasing your confidence, improving your physical health, and it can create more diverse social connections. This is why the lack of teenage participation in sport, particularly girls, is so concerning. So many teenage girls are missing out on these life-improving benefits. A staggering one in three girls who participate in sport or ongoing sport drop out in their teenage years it is estimated that only about 15% of teenage girls actually achieve the recommended levels of daily physical activity. So Vic, Vic Health would be pretty disappointed to hear that because it's a big focus of theirs. So what are the reasons behind these statistics and what can be done to help? And I think something else I heard, um, Jen, will talk through it, but recently through an article um, around not only are teenage girls 
dropping out at these critical age points, you know, that sort of that, uh, I think it's around that 16 to 19 age group. But once they're out of sport, it's so much harder to get them back in. So keep, it's like volunteers, keep them in as long as they can, because once they're out, it's twice as long or twice as hard to get people back in. But what I, what I really want to do um, with this, I'm going to raise these factors. And then Jen, I'm going to throw to you uh, on the spot to really break down where your focus areas are or what your opinion is around these factors. So the factors that include, and these are positive and negative, um, education, coaching, health and fitness, crowd behaviour, well-being and social aspect. So Jen, I'll just want to throw to you, what are the what are the two indicators do you feel that keep young women or young girls in sport? What are the what are the two things that are that are the reasons that they they participate um, out of those factors that I just listed? Um yeah, it was an interesting article, Michael, and I think the part that resonated um, most with me was the coaching um, and the crowd. Those two things play a major factor. Um in keeping girls involved in sport. Um, a positive experience obviously keeps them involved, but a negative experience, um, particularly for a girl who's going through, you know, that awkward awkward period through puberty, then, yeah, a, a negative experience, they just run. They run for the hills and you never see them again. So I think the coach plays a bigger part um, than, than ever in this space now. I think we need to do better in terms of helping educate them and getting our future coaches to understand the impact they do have. You know, half the time it's a mum and dad that you've dragged off the side of the the court, um, you know, who's doing it just to keep their kids on the court. But they do play a huge role, um, coaches. And what we've seen since COVID is um, crowd behaviour. I'm not sure what's going on out there, and I don't think it's unique to our sport. Um, from speaking to the other sports, certainly um, I'm not, there's a lot of angry people out there and then the complaints that are coming across my desk, like no wonder kids don't want to play um, what they're experiencing and what they're hearing. So I think there's a big piece of work we need to do, um, particularly if we're going to engage up more umpires, is to really um, get get the crowd, the parents, the families to understand the impact they have um, on these young people. It's um, interesting that you mentioned crowds. Um, we have another n- a number of uh, administrators. You know, when you work in sport, a lot of you, you know, volunteering in some capacity. We've got a lot of administrators that volunteer their time as coordinators of whatever sport they're involved in, and they have said the same thing: uh, that crowd behaviour, complaints, issues on and off the field are, are, are much worse now than what they were before COVID. And it's quite fascinating because we lost our sport, we got it back. So you kind of feel like people are should be quite thankful that sport's back and celebrating sport. And I was at grand finals yesterday and that was the feeling there. But actually the behaviour has flipped. And I don't quite think, we won't know right now, but in 12 months' time with some research and backing, we will know. But we haven't quite put our finger on why is this happening and what what are the factors taking place? And I don't know if Nepal Vic have anything in the pipes or any any indicators or, or items that you've picked up. Yeah, it's a great question. We've actually got a working group, an internal working group, who's particularly working with the umpire space to work out how we can attract um, more umpires. And then we've involved a youth advisory committee to work on a campaign around um, yeah, being kind, being kind to our umpires and players. But yes, yeah, so it's it's really tough. It's to to know. I don't think this is an overnight solution. I think. We just need to embed that culture back in. Like we had a whole campaign when um, we were able to play called Play for the Love, like just to get people back. Don't worry about the rules. Don't worry about, 
you know, all that stuff. Let's just play for the love and let's get active again. Um, and that was great. But this year, something's happened. Um, Jen, tell us a bit, we're talking off air, what's the, the big focus uh, that Nepal Vic are doing uh, in conjunction with uh, Claire Hamlin and, and, and Vic Uni? Do you want to talk the listeners through that? Yes, yeah, certainly. So um, Claire Hamlin has done um, fantastic research and has a great document out um, that talks about uniform barriers to participation and um, has it's a really great read. I think I, I don't know if you can link that somewhere, but it's a great read to really understand, you know, how important it is that girls have choice and that they feel comfortable. So Netball Victoria has a real focus at the moment on um, providing choice. We've, we've updated our sample bylaws so that our affiliates um, will come on board and and hopefully adopt those. Uh, and already we've seen quite a few who have been great that jumped on the bandwagon, no problem. Um, but, you know, we've still got those others we've got to bring along on the journey. And, and again, we'll use the Youth Advisory Committee to get them to help them understand the importance of, of females having choice and, and participation. It's a it's a really interesting piece. And I know that a lot of sports are starting to look at the, the uniform policy and, and, and how that looks. And I think we're seeing it across a number of sports. So I think Netball Victoria and, and Vic Uni are leading the way. And I think we're seeing some of that you know, transpire through and I think it's coming through the voice of, of young people, which is important. Jen, as a as a young person, uh, I'm not saying that you you're not not young now, but uh back when you were 16, 17, 18, what were the factors talking about this article, what were the factors that drove you to continue, you know, playing what are yeah, those items that were the reasons you played sport? And potentially what are the what were the items potentially that, that pulled you back from playing sport, if any? Yeah, so I just love to be active. Like I was out on the oval kicking the soccer ball with the boys when, or the football with the boys on the oval because I just loved sport. So for me, playing any sport and giving any sport was a go, but I think that was more that was more about me. But the other thing was um, that connection with friends. So all our friends at school, you know, were playing. Well, I was basketball. So um, when I grew up, not netball, but um, so we we all played basketball at lunchtime, and we all played for the same youth club, and you know there was great events, and we were just really connected. You know, it stopped us from being bored and destructive because we just loved. We had these opportunities to be together. Um, and have fun through sport. It was competitive at times, but we, but we had fun with it. Greta, for you, um, talk us through your journey a little bit. Obviously, from what you're probably hearing through the youth voices, but you as a as an athlete at that age group, um, you're not far not far from that now. But uh, what were those what were those factors for you uh, that the reasons you played, and was there anything critical for a reason that you may not may have exited a sport at that age group? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I mean, sport. For, yeah, has always been part of my life. It's since I can remember. I've I think I started playing netball in grade three, which was about 25 years ago, um, and I still play now in and out of um, pregnancies and um, raising children. But um, yeah, I think for me, it's always been about the fun of it. Um, I, I like to get competitive, sort of within a game. But um, people would laugh and say that I'm not competitive. I, I definitely am within a game, but it's it was always for the fun of it. Like I'd I'd find myself not really even looking at the scoreboard. I'd just go by the feel and um, was it a good game? Yeah, was it was it not a good game? And it was never really about winning or losing. It was about how it felt between our team and between both teams. And that's been in all the sports that I've played: netball, basketball, hockey. Yeah, I think um, coaching is a funny one. I my dad was my basketball coach for a long time. Um, and so, I mean, 
that was that was fun. I loved that. Except, yeah, going through particularly, I think, as you said, sort of like that late high school, like 18, 19, 20 kind of ages, I would, I would find myself getting frustrated if I didn't quite click with a coach. Never stopped me from playing because, again, like I just knew that I wanted to be a part of a team sport. It's, um, you know, I'm, I think I was 25 when I moved um, to a new town. And the first thing for me was, okay, I'm leaving a hockey club in Melbourne. I need to find a new hockey club in Torquay where I live now. And um, for me, it was kind of just a no-brainer. You've got to find your team sport because I know that that's my happy place. Um, But, yes, with coaching, that's been something that's probably annoyed me the most and would potential or have potential to take me away from the sport. Jen, one final question for you. In this article, it talks about education and it talks about young women – um, at that age group being, you know, year 10, year 11, year 12, and the pressures that come with that. And then as a result, something has to give. Um, obviously, there's the social elements and, and um, playing sport and everything in between. But I quite, found it quite fascinating where that article focused on young women, or, you know, young women and education around the pressures and then therefore sport was the thing that dropped off. Do you have any thoughts behind that as to why the article would highlight, I know it's an article about young women, but young women uh, potentially in uh, distance or comparison to young boys, why that would be different? Yeah, that was an interesting point. Um, And I was certainly a little bit surprised by that because we talk about um, mental health is such a big focus in in society now and we talk about the benefits of sport and your mental health, um, you know, those natural endorphins that, you know, run through your body when when you're out and about being active. So, I was very surprised um, that 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 was occurring. That girls thought that sport had to give. Um, you know, I think if we, I think the other thing is the pressure of part-time jobs. I think a lot more young girls have part-time jobs now too. So it's school, part-time jobs, and sport, and there's that clash, having to you know be at a shift at McDonald's and it's clashing with the games and it's all too hard. So I wonder if that plays a part as well. Interesting, though, that it's not affecting boys. So I don't know if they're doing different things. But, yeah, it was interesting, that piece. Fantastic. Thank you so much uh, for that. Hopefully you both enjoyed that article. Um, it wasn't too many holes to pick through that one a little bit. Not too many, you know, devil's advocate type type questions and stuff. But what it does do, it highlights the amazing work that's been that's happening out there to really identify what the factors are. And then also we, we see that sports like Netball Victoria – are picking up articles like this and actually doing something about it, going out there to speak to their to their uh, their participants and young people to find out ways that they can keep, bring them into a sport, keep them into a sport, or if they drop out, what are the factors we can actually uh, work on to, to reintroduce them. So a uh, big thank you to both of you for that. Um, just as we now wrap up, uh, final thoughts, uh, Jen, from you. Anything you wanted to, to raise or highlight from a Nepal uh, Vic point of view or, or talk about that's, that's coming forward for you guys as a next step? Uh, yes, yeah, so um, I think it's just really um, just becoming more visual out there. Just and this is obviously a great vehicle for people, you know, not just netball but any sport to understand the benefits uh, of the youth advisory committee. So for us, it's it's um, it's assisting our young people in the committee to keep working on those things that they're passionate about and they think is going to affect the future of netball. And at the same time, get the rest of the netball community on board to really see the value in in um, what what the youth advisory committees bring. And Greta, for you uh, as a first time host chair, long time listener, first time host chair, <laughs> but um, you've done an amazing job. Anything from you to to finish up on? 
Um, I guess sort of similar to Jen, your thoughts, I think about um, it's just it's really about empowering young people, I think, letting letting young people know that that their voice um, is important, that people care about it and to know that they really do have um, the capacity to make change. I think that's just a really big one that you can take into any sport, whether it's an association level or a club level. Um, and and that the importance of um, particularly in a state sport association leading from the top down. So knowing that your board and your your executives and CEOs and all the managers, everyone um, support that this is a really great initiative and it's important. Well said, very well said. I think, you know, just listening to the to, to both of you speak, I think there's a difference between tokenistic co-design and tokenistic voices of young people and actually doing the work. And to see the work through this conversation today and, and Jen, the, the work that you're leading, to actually have young people drive the work and drive the future and the opportunities for employment through Netball Victoria as a result of the advisory committees and, and discussions about why do people have to have a skill set like this to be on boards, all those sort of things. I think what it really shows is the industry and led by Nettivik has come a long way from we need to hear and we want to hear from young people to actually young people actually driving the change and driving the conversation. And that's for our listeners out there. You're hearing it right now. Think about where we're going to be in two to three years from now. Um, that's the real scary, exciting part about this conversation, um, which is really important. But I want to thank you both. Um, Greta, amazing job. First up for you. You're an <laughs> absolute true natural and, I'm, and we're, I'm really proud of you and you've done a great job. And Jen, thank you very much flying all the way back from your holiday just for the podcast today. <laughs> um, you've, done a, you've done an amazing job uh, to, to prioritise this, and I know you're, you're a bit under the weather as well. But for our listeners out there, um, a great conversation um, captured in a really nice little short, sharp podcast uh, for you out there. Let's make sure we get these voices and these conversations out to the community. Um, to find the podcast, uh, wherever you find your podcast, you can find us, Apple Podcast or whatever, or visiting uh, Legend Network's social pages and website. Um, and from us here at LN Connect, thank you for always listening to our listeners out there and hopefully some new listeners as a result of this podcast. Um, and we're really keen to hear your feedback and your voice moving forward on what conversations you want us to talk about that are important for you and your community. So from us, big thank you. Please stick around for You'll hear Greta in episode number four again um, for our fourth and, and final uh, youth-focused youth uh, episode. Thank you. This podcast series will take our listeners through Leisure Network's journey, impacting people in our community through programs and services delivered. We will mix our industry knowledge with real stories and real facts that can better inform the community we serve. This podcast contains the thoughts and opinions of our presenters and isn't necessarily represented across the organisation.